it is very important to maintain your psychological integrity. This may seem obvious at first, but I would contend that it is not a norm within our society to actually maintain psychological integrity. And how exactly do you define that? How do you define psychological integrity? It does not necessarily have to have anything to do with the diagnosis of a particular mental condition. When the mind becomes highly compartmentalized through repeating hypocrisy or fragmentation of the identity, when you have to remember all of your lies, so to speak, and you start believing in that because you've done it so much that you've literally compartmentalized yourself into a fragmented understanding of reality. Most people are highly specialized and they're not capable of acknowledging the true swath of reality as it actually exists. Unfortunately, most people are not maintaining their psychological integrity because they don't necessarily have to in order to survive. They don't necessarily have to in order to belong. In fact, many group identities often come at the behest of truth for the groups actually position themselves at opposite sides of an argument. You find that more often than not, a group will pretend that there is only one direction. They'll pretend that there is only one way to do things and that all other ways are wrong, even though a large portion of humanity still acts in a different way than them. There is a sort of psychosis within group standards that is actually not very compatible with objective reasoning. Of course, that is no mystery to people, but what does it have to do with psychological integrity? Well, I would contend that whether or not you spend very much time in a group and around other people will likely determine how much you can afford to deny reality, or at the very least to deny the mechanical properties of existing within nature and abiding by a particular geography, for example, in order to survive, in order to thrive and optimize our community. Groupthink, especially nowadays, when we're highly insulated thanks to technology, groupthink actually has a sort of detaching quality to it insofar as people are concerned with having a particular ideology within the group that coheres very nicely with everybody else within that group so that there is a minimal standard of cooperation most of the time. Because again, people tend toward good they can be misled in how they choose to cooperate with one another. They can be misled into thinking that they require a particular ideological harmony with others within that group. However, that is the psychological standard we are working with. It does not mean that our interrelationship cannot improve if we were to all do the underlying psychological work of awakening to our true nature and taking the necessary steps to optimize ourselves and make us more honest human beings capable of love, compassion, and respect for one another. That will always be the direction of progress. However, there is a underlying relationship with psychological integrity here in that if you are going to fall prey to conformity most of the time, when it comes to how you plan your own actions, in accordance with the underlying natural morality of actions which are compatible with being alive. If 
you take actions that are incompatible with being alive, then you have compromised your underlying psychological integrity based on what actions are biologically compatible with reproduction, with family life, with the extended community. If people end up taking actions that are incompatible with the standards of living and existing within our community and family, then you have compromised psychological integrity. The issue is people can be convinced by evil to actually think that good is evil. Evil is good. It's a process of dissolving the boundaries between the two and continuously magnetizing that individual toward anti-life energy or actions. Again, it's important to understand how evil emerges from desecrated innocence. Everybody feels as though they are inherently innocent. As children, they have their innocence sequestered from them, and they feel as though the only way to answer is through a similar energy of like kind, which is unfortunately a lack of psychological integrity on their part as well. Because there is an element of having seen the world in its harshness, having seen the world in its harsh, true nature, and wanting to make it a better place that also can emerge. So based on the road that an individual takes, after they feel as though their innocent self has been desecrated in some way, what direction they choose after that moment will decide whether or not they have taken the responsibility. That integrity is like an architecture, a foundation. If you have a very solid foundation with sound principles that form the four pillars of your building, where you are being, at the very least, honest with yourself and knowing where you are, where you've been, and having an idea of where you could go. If all those are in place, it's going to be a lot easier for you. It's going to be a lot more straightforward, and you won't be caught up in your own wilderness of mirrors, in your own psychological compartmentalization, where you have particular aspects of your identity that are not actually communicating with one another to even allow for a recognition of where you are in order to understand where you might go to improve. The very first thing you have to do is to admit it is an admission process, and then it is a forgiveness, and then it is a reparation. However, the reparation should not be seen as a compensatory measure. It should be seen as more like a manifestation of who you really are to begin with, because people want to be good. Even the evil among you, among us, secretly recognizes that good is the ultimate way that everything coheres and actually wants to be good is probably sad that it had to come to this. These are all elements that are communicated throughout all of our literary work, throughout all of our stories, the hero versus the villain, the shadow projection of that dynamic. There are very few actual villains in the world. And the reason why that is, because people naturally are inclined toward good. People want to live symbiotically with existence and other forms of life. And that is very deeply ingrained within us. Otherwise, we would not be able to have made it this far to begin with. The bottom line is that evil takes a completely opposite approach to that. This is hard for some people to accept. However, until they accept that evil does exist, it is actually allowed to continue even further along the path of degeneration. Because we require people that are so good, they are actually willing to love those who are evil. 
they are actually willing to unconditionally love those who have inherently desecrated what it means to be alive. Otherwise, those people will continue to degenerate and atrophy without any form of counter force that is forgiving them and allowing them entry back into the spirit of life. This is the underlying dynamic of good and evil. And it is also the line in the sand for maintaining your psychological integrity. As people are turned, they actually begin to fragment in their personality as certain parts of their being no longer communicate with one another consciously. This might actually be what sociopathy and psychopathy is, is that there are fragmented aspects of our being so far as hyper compartmentalization of the brain, but also perhaps you could look at it as a fragmentation of the soul that may only be resolved through an equivalent forgiveness from somebody that is far along in their spiritual journey and has learned how to exude unconditional love. When you go through temporary emotions that have the ability to actually warp and manipulate your perception of reality temporarily, how well you deal with that and maintaining your psychological integrity is what I'm talking about. Because it is true that depending on how you feel, your thoughts will take on a completely different inflection and that they can actually be deceived or tricked into believing in totality, into believing in absolutism. However, if you're able to then regain your equilibrium and recognize that what you believed within that moment was not true, what you believed in that moment was a result of your fear or your anger, then you're able to move on and you're able to maintain your psychological integrity. It also has something to do with whether or not you project that negativity onto somebody else. Whether or not you assume a particular emotional valence based on how you have been treated in the past. Because somebody may have treated you some way in the past. However, it does not mean that everybody else is going to treat you that way. All it means is that they've left an emotional imprint within you that has created a warped perception of reality in order to protect you from something that you're not willing to acknowledge at a subconscious level. We all have aspects of ourselves that we do not acknowledge. We all have aspects that are imperfect. We all have a compromised psychological integrity to some extent. And based on whether or not you're capable of accepting that particular image, which has been projected largely by the subconscious mind, then oftentimes it will be forced to actually warp your perception of reality in order to account for that which you are not ready to acknowledge about yourself or others. So a good example of this is our modern day. There is a lot of dissatisfaction with the archetype of hierarchy. And if you're not willing to acknowledge that hierarchies are actually commonplace throughout all nature and that what we are experiencing now is a corrupt form of it, if you're not willing to acknowledge hierarchy as an aspect of life, as an aspect of organisms attempting to live within the same environment, then your perception of reality has actually become warped based on whether or not you felt disenfranchised or enriched by a hierarchy. Your perception of that hierarchy and its justification in the world will actually become modulated. You can have an unjustified rebellious energy 
and you can have an unjustified hierarchical energy. And oftentimes that has to do with the compromising of psychological integrity. However, if you are able to maintain your psychological integrity, then you can remain highly open in your acceptance of a more effective alternative. Then it becomes more about objective analysis and quantification, intuition, creativity, remaining fluid and adaptable in your cognition. People who are able to maintain their psychological integrity by remaining open to effective alternatives and understanding that there is a difference between what actions are biologically compatible and biologically incompatible. If you can manage those two things, remaining open to an effective alternative, but also preventing yourself from becoming anti-biological in your emotional valence, then you are maintaining your psychological integrity quite well. There is also an aspect of conscientiousness that comes into play. Because if you do not remain conscientious to a minimal degree, then your lack of preparation might actually compromise your psychological integrity. If you are not prepared for the world as it actually exists, within nature, within reality, then you will actually be putting your psychological integrity in harm's way. Because when people become desperate, the line between good and evil can begin to break down. You don't want to make yourself desperate. And that requires that you have a minimal clearance threshold of preparation, caution, and attention paid to detail. 